0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I want to begin today's show by taking you back to yesterday's show just briefly. One of the things you may remember that I talked to the great former Georgia All-American John Stinchcomb about was the fact that Georgia, on paper for the upcoming season, once you get past that Clemson game week one, and no one's going to dispute what a grizzly bear, a behemoth that is, we all understand that, but you got to play somebody, so you play this really tough team week one, and then after that, it certainly seems like on paper the Georgia schedule opens up for Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> In a way that, in some years, it kind of hasn't. I, I like the way that John said this yesterday, and you can go back and listen to the full show yesterday to kind of get all of this from John. He said you almost get the sense this is the way that other college football teams in other conferences must feel from time to time when you look at these games and say, "Wow, my team want to be able to win those games." Sometimes in the SEC, you're not quite you know left feeling that way sometimes with your team. But for Georgia this year, there's a there, there's a you know a chance that might be true. Let me back up this up with some numbers here for a moment. If you use preseason FPI as kind of a guiding point on this, this comes from ESPN, their football power index. And to be honest with you, that is a... That is a potentially problematic a- a- analytic data set, uh, depending on your perspective on this. But just to use this for the sake of conversation right now, Georgia only plays one team in the regular season in the preseason FPI top 10. That's obviously Clemson. They play just two in the top 13. By then, you've kind of added uh, Florida into the mix. They play three of the top 15 and just four of the top 28 teams in the country in the preseason, uh, according to the ESPN FPI. So from that standpoint, you yeah, have kind of a manageable schedule. You want to Something to kind of compare that to Arkansas as a for instance plays four of the top ten and five of the top 11 in the preseason FPI in their upcoming regular season so if you want kind of a just sort of a numeric basis for why the, the the Georgia schedule looks pretty manageable this upcoming year just use preseason FPI as your guide much easier on paper than what say a team like Arkansas is expected to play for the upcoming season but the other thing we said on yesterday's show is as a fan every now and then i find myself wanting to get a little bit greedy every now and then i kind of want more than just a win for my team i want to really kind of flex or spike the football or whatever else and if you got a chance to listen to yesterday's show one of the things you may have heard me say on yesterday's show was i played that audio from paul feinbaum who went on the birmingham alabama radio station wjox and he was talking about what the narrative was going to be for brian harson the first year coach at auburn and how this was all about proving that you could recruit you know with the big boys the alabamas the 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 Georgias and it wasn't so much about what your record was in year one. It was more about kind of a, establishing yourself as a potential destination for recruits. And I said on yesterday's show that. Boy, there's a way of listening to this that sort of makes it sound like Auburn may be kind of gearing itself up for a for a moral victory. And, you know, quick aside here, I don't know that any program in the SEC does moral victory more often, you know, and sort of rallies around the idea of a moral victory more frequently than Auburn does. Uh, and it sort of sounds like, well, they may be trying to get ready for a moral victory here to say, hey, we may have played Georgia close this year, but once Brian Harson gets his recruits in here, we're going to start winning these games. We're going to start beating teams like Georgia there in the future. So what I said on yesterday, show is okay if they're trying to get the moral victory thing going if they're trying to kind of rally around the idea of oh we play Georgia close this year but next year you watch out what happens then then as a Georgia fan I want to be a little bit greedy and say for my team in this game I want to do more than just win this game I'd like to win this game decisively. I'd like to win this game going away. I'd like to see Georgia pound Auburn, the way that it has so many times in recent years. That way the the notion of Auburn kept it close with Georgia, Brian Harson's eventually gonna be a good coach. That narrative doesn't get any legs at all. We talked about that on yesterday's show. So if you're with me thus far, here's kind of some of the stuff we talked about yesterday. On paper, it appears that Georgia has a pretty manageable schedule. Harson, one of four first year coaches they'll play in this upcoming year. And Georgia already expected to be a pretty big favorite over Auburn. Remember we did the 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 fan duel sportsbook point spreads the other day Georgia a double digit favorite at the time against Auburn there's still a 10 point favorite if you go to the FanDuel uh, you know sportsbook app right now you can see Georgia's a 10 point favorite against Auburn and what I said on yesterday's show is wow part of me wants to get a little greedy here I don't want Brian Harson to have any first year success at all how about a demoralizing victory for Georgia against Auburn in a way that kind of keeps any kind of like first year momentum you know happy talk going on with the Brian Harson situation there at Auburn You remember all that from yesterday? So now, with all of that said, I guess from a certain standpoint, that that game may actually, in the eyes of some people, and I'm talking about Georgia Auburn now when I say this, that game in the eyes of some people may actually be a little more difficult on paper than it may have initially appeared to us. I'm not really quite sure what you do with this, but I do think it's my job to bring you the information that's out there. We said the other day that FanDuel had Georgia as a 10-point favorite against Auburn. It was one of their games of the year for the upcoming season. Well, this last couple of days, we've also seen the South Point Sportsbook, which is in Nevada. That's the the, the sportsbook in Las Vegas that kind of thinks of itself as the college football sports book there's always been a little bit of an arms race to see you could get games of the year lines out first for a long time the golden nugget was probably the one that did that you know probably the first and the best and in recent years the south point has tried to kind of get out in front of all of that be the absolute first to get its college football games of the year out uh, i'll show you on the screen what the what the scorecard looks like here i realize you can't see that but i will give you some of these and i think most interesting in my mind is what the south point says about georgia and auburn they only have Georgia right now as a four-point favorite against Auburn when Georgia goes to Jordan-Hare Stadium later on this fall in the uh, month of October. Now, you may be thinking this. Well, B.A., that sounds like a pretty good middle for those of you that kind of understand how this works. You know, you could bet Georgia's a four-point favorite at the uh, fan duel, bet uh, Auburn as a 10-point underdog at the South Point, and if Georgia wins by five, six, seven, eight, or nine, you win both bets. And theoretically, the other bets kind of cancel each other out, so therefore, you really can't lose except for the vigorous, and you uh, obviously have a chance to win both bets, including the key number of seven. But before you get too excited about that, you actually have to be in Nevada to place this bet or in one of the FanDuel states to place that bet. So unless you have travel already set up there, that might not work out too well for you. So push that aside here for the moment. The point is, how about this gigantic difference in opinion? Double-digit favorite at one sports book is Georgia against Auburn, less than a touchdown favorite, just above a field goal favorite. Uh, is, is Georgia here when it comes to the uh, south point. Now, which of these sports books is more right than the other? I guess obviously we would lean, you know, more in the direction of this being an easy win for Georgia against Auburn, but You know, uh, obviously, we're going to trust the folks who build these big casinos out there, these big sports books, that maybe they have some idea of what they're talking about. And really across the board here when it comes to what the south point put out the the, the news is somewhat similar in all of this uh fan duel had georgia's an eight point favorite against florida that's a pretty big number south point just has georgia as a, a six point favorite in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party uh you know south point also kind of favors clemson more against georgia than uh fan did there as well they've got clemson's a three and a half point favorite in that game if you care about the uh, clean old-fashioned hate at the end of the season georgia is a 21 point favorite against Georgia Tech, but that's really probably not all that you know. Unsurprising. The point here, though, is this. As as we kind of bring in all this kind of preseason opinion, some of this more informed than others. And I've told you before, when it comes to preseason expectations, preseason opinions, things like that, I'm always going to trust those who are kind of in the betting community more so than you know just blowhards who speak into a microphone or sports writers who, you know, type into a keyboard because, you know, when people like us get it wrong, there's very really very little penalty for getting a prediction wrong. But when a sports book guy gets a prediction wrong, obviously that's money leaving that Business account into the hands of betters. The 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 betters the the betting community, the the sports book type guys, they have to be a little bit more careful about some of the odds they establish. And what they're telling you right now is watch out for Auburn. Maybe a little bit better there than uh, some Georgia fans might think. I, I mentioned the ESPN FBI stuff a moment ago there as well. I guess there's a, a degree to which they kind of agree with that too. They do have Auburn 15th in their preseason football power index rating there as well so i'm guessing most of this kind of falls on deaf ears a little bit with georgia fans the fact is georgia has handled auburn easily in most games over the last decade plus the one exception being the the trip to jordan Hare stadium back in november 2017 but other than that it's been all georgia since kirby smart has been head coach and really even before that there as well uh it has been a dominant time for georgia in this auburn rivalry but Maybe a little bit of a warning there for the uh, for the from the betting folks to be a little bit careful with that road game at Auburn a little bit later on this year. We will stay tuned to find out how many Georgia fans take that claim seriously. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or on the radio at noon, on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and as a podcast, wherever you find them. Uh, anywhere the podcast can be found, the Apple Player, the Google Player, Spotify, worldfamousdognation.com. Many of you listen right there on SoundCloud there as well. Whichever podcast platform you prefer, we just really appreciate you being a part of of the program here today and a big big thanks to our friends at engineered solutions of georgia for making it all possible I, I told you this or at least i told our video audience off the top of the show today i had a chance to hang out with the folks from engineered solutions of georgia yesterday and what a great time that was jay and derek and the whole uh, team over there doing a great job really really stepping up to the plate to help folks when it comes to your foundation your waterproofing issues and as a homeowner this is one of those things that obviously can give you some angst if you See some rain. Now we hadn't had rain in a few days, but we will have some again. And when you see that rain creeping into your basement, your crawlspace, your garage, when you see those cracks kind of show up at your foundation, for those of you watching a video, where you see right there, that's where I was yesterday. The big fleet of. ESOG vehicles, the entire staff. It was great to be able to do that yesterday and hear about all the ways in which uh, Engineered Solutions of George is helping so many of the folks in our audience with their foundation waterproofing needs. Of course, their number cannot be easy to remember. It's simply 678 ESOG Now. Just dial that number, 678 ESOG Now, and you can get in touch with them. They got two full time engineers on staff. They will take uh, really good care of you. In fact, I talked to Jay Eastland yesterday, one of the founding partners of Engineered Solutions of George, and he's obviously been so, so excited about all the dog nation folks have kind of reached out to him they're proud partners of uga there as well so they're no stranger to helping uga fans in fact jay wanted me to share this special message with you about how appreciative he is of all that y'all have kind of been able to do with him and all the folks in our audience that he's been able to help so this is jay from engineered solutions of georgia take a look and a listen to this i'm here with jay Easton, one of the founding partners of engineered solutions of georgia you know jay On behalf of Dog Nation, we've been so proud of our partnership with ESOG because I'm so thankful to know that when I tell folks to trust you for their foundation, waterproofing issues, I know you're taking really good care of them. So thank you so much for doing so much great work for our audience and being such a great partner
1: for us here at Dog Nation. Thank you, Brandon, and thank you, dog fans. It's been an honor to be a part of Dog Nation family and we really appreciate everything that you guys do for us.
0: So great stuff there for Jay Eason from uh, Engineered Solutions of Georgia. A lot of fun there. Uh, speaking of fun, we're going to have more fun coming up in a moment. Connor Riley is part of a Kroger Fresh Take here. we will kind to get everything going on around UG with Connor here in just a little bit. Before that, though, let's go around the doghouse here for a moment. And speaking of those preseason prognostications when it comes to Georgia, I gave you some point spread stuff off the top of the program a uh, moment ago. How about some season win total stuff? You'd probably expect to see Georgia near the top of the country when it comes to that. And according to the uh, DraftKings king sports book that is indeed where georgia is our buddy brad powers gambling expert on twitter shared some of this so georgia among the highest expected season win totals in the country and the way this works for those of you who are un- unacquainted with this you can simply bet a you know over under here uh will you expect georgia or any team you want to mention here to win more than this or less than this for the uh, for the upcoming uh, season, Georgia at ten and a half. Just five teams have higher odds than that. Oklahoma's at eleven. Ohio State is as well. Both Clemson and Alabama are at eleven and a half. So Georgia, one of the five, one of the six teams in the country with the best odds for you know, total number of victories for the upcoming season. If you're also interested in some of the other stuff when it comes to fan duel on this, including some of the teams that Georgia plays, you got Missouri out of the SEC East. They are at a seven right now in terms of their expected win total. Tennessee's just at a six right now. Kentucky at a six and a half. How about Vanderbilt's expected win total? Just three, according to DraftKings right now. South Carolina's not much better. They're only a four. You got Florida with a over under win total of nine right now. And if you're interested in the SEC West, there's a couple interesting things there. A&M, who obviously kind of touted as you know, a potential threat to Alabama in the SEC West, maybe a little skepticism of them from the betting community here. DraftKings has them right now with a season win total of just nine and a half uh lsu is at eight and a half mississippi state's just five and a half right now there's a little bit of talk about a year two bounce for mike leach they were one of the teams with top 10 preseason fbi but just five and a half for a season win total there at uh at, at DraftKings. arkansas is at five and a half auburn who we talked about for a couple of minutes a moment ago they are at seven on this and if you're interested i thought it's kind of interesting one of the teams that georgia plays out of conference this year is uab their season win total, according to DraftKings, 7.5, so uh, a winning record from a from, you know, potential team out of the uh, group of five there early on the uh, slate for Georgia the week after the Georgia-Clemson game, so maybe keep your eye a little bit on those UAB Blazers there in uh, week two. So pretty interesting stuff. I'll put a link to all of this when we post the show later on at the theworldfamousdognation.com. Georgia expected to be one of the top teams in the country, at least on the basis of this metric, when it comes to a uh, uh, season win total ten and a half. Only five teams in the country have better, you know, expectations of that in terms of wins for the upcoming season. So at least on the basis of the betting metrics, Georgia right there in the thick of. Everything going on with the national championship hunt here this year. That is around the doghouse. We have got Connor Riley coming up here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And we'll talk to Connor about all of these preseason predictions, what that means for UGA, and of course, everything else as well, including some great stuff that he's written at the website dognation.com as of late. So let's do all of that right now. He's welcoming Connor for a Kroger Fresh Take here on Dog Nation Daily. And across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And as promised, we will say hello to Connor Riley here on the program today. Connor said some great stuff at DogNation.com. Looking at what I think is a little bit of a theme here in terms of the depth that Georgia brings to the table for the upcoming season, both in terms of uh guys that you would kind of technically think of as backups who are really kind of emerging as some of the most well-known players in the Georgia roster. We'll talk to him about that and how many of those freshmen, signees in the class of 2021 can be expected to, to really contribute in a big way this year. We'll do a lot of that with Connor here coming up in just a moment as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take. But before that, though, Connor, let's talk about some of the gambling stuff that is out there for Georgia, because I do think that's kind of a little bit of a window in the opinion that exist about Georgia right now. Over, under, at least according to DraftKings, of of 10.5. You know, pretty decent-sized favor in most of the games they'll play this upcoming year, at least once you get past Clemson in Week 1. What is your takeaway on all of this for Georgia, at least up to this point?
1: I really like the over on wins for Georgia at 10.5. Uh, essentially, if you think there's a good chance Georgia can win that Clemson game, which, again, three-and-a-half point spread, I think, from mm-hmm. the number you pulled there. If you think they win that game, they're telling me they'd have to lose two more games after that. I, I really like that number there. Conversely, I really like the under on Clemson at 11.5 mm-hmm. just because they're, the expectation there is that they're going to win all their games, and if you have a tough game like Georgia to open the season, I mean, they lose that game, you win that bet week one.
0: Yeah, you know, Chip Patterson from CBS Sports was with me on SEC Country Live last Wednesday, and he said something on that show that has kind of stuck with me since then, that – When Alabama and Florida State played to open the season a few years ago with the high ranking, I think it was one versus three at the time. You know, I know that's a quarterback entry for Florida State, but when DeAndre Francois goes down, you know, Florida State essentially fell apart after that, was never the same against then. And,. He kind of hinted, well, you know, could something like that happen for one of these two teams? Obviously, you can't predict injuries, nor would we, you know, hope that something like that were to happen or anything along those lines. But the notion of if Clemson were to lose to Georgia, somehow it creates a little bit of a downward spiral for the season. After Chip said that, I have to admit, I, I have kind of thought about that as a possibility since then, of, you know, Maybe it's not just so easy to kind of rubber stamp 11-1 and one for the team who loses this game, even though that's what a lot of the media is going to try to do.
1: I don't know if I'd go that far. That Florida State team had a lot of deeper problems that we probably didn't see at the surface of the time, that Alabama-Florida State game. And I'd point out, since that game, Florida State hasn't been the same program, hasn't been able to get back to that number three overall ranking. Whereas, I think if you're a Georgia team, yeah, UAB might be a tricky week two game, but at the end of the day, this Georgia team has enough talent, barring, I think, a JT Daniels injury, and knock on wood, that doesn't happen here, to overcome that loss in the first game. Now, the tone and tenor of this season is going to be very, very different if Georgia loses that first game, then wins it, but ultimately, I don't think this is this Georgia program is in the same footing as that Florida State one was back in 2016 when the game was played. And just to be
0: clear, I would never expect something like that to happen to Georgia. I guess all I'm saying is this notion that it's an easy rubber stamp for 11-1 and one for the team that loses that game. I, I don't know that's quite so true. So
1: who is the team then that you think trips up Georgia? No, no, no I'm not saying this in Georgia side. I'm saying this more on oh, the, Clemson the Clemson side. side. Yeah, okay. yeah.
0: yeah okay. Because, because The reason why I said that is because you said that you would take the under on the Clemson at 11 right. and a half, which right. I think is, you know, uh, you know certainly a— a, a fair argument to uh to make there uh interesting to see that in in the case of uh south point the auburn game much closer on paper there than one of the other sports books at it you know if you're looking for games for george that could be a little closer auburn because it is a road game obviously would kind of come to mind there george's lost there in the kirby smart era so you'd at least have to consider it but man Year one for an Auburn team that you know doesn't have much in the way of wide receiver play right now. Obviously, probably looking at the transfer portal to bring in a receiver before the summer's done. You might have to think. I just don't know how Auburn feels a competitive enough team to keep that game too close with Georgia right now.
1: Yeah, no, before, uh, before Texas A&M became your favorite team, uh, Auburn was always a team and always a game that you were a little more concerned with than I would say the average Georgia fan. And I would point out, you know, I think it was FanDuel that had them as 10-point favorites. Last time Georgia won by more than 10 points in uh, at Jordan-Hare Stadium, 2012. Mm. So Georgia does not have a great history of winning big down there on the Plains. And, and again, I, I think part of the reason you've seen so such these wide swings on Auburn is, you know, more than any team I think in the SEC West, I have no idea what to expect from Auburn this year. I mean, you could tell me that they go the Texas A&M route, lean heavily on Tank Bigsby, and that's enough to get them to 8, 9, maybe even 10 wins if things break the right way. You could tell me that their offense can't overcome the losses that they've had at wide receiver, and Bo Nix continues to struggle at the quarterback position there. And you're looking at a 5-6 win season there, and that would be disastrous for Brian Harson. So I think that's reflected in the lines where you've got one sportsbook saying Georgia should beat them by double digits, and the other one saying it should be a pretty close white-knuckle game there on October 9th
0: I mean unless the transfer portal changes things mightily between now and the start of the season Auburn is one of those teams that I do expect and we'll talk more about you know the addition of T.J. Finley later on but Auburn is one of those teams that I do expect to try to build an identity around Tank Bigsby I think the spring game sometimes spring games are not particularly revealing about any team in the case of Auburn we did see Bigsby you know kind of factor into that you know game plan pretty heavily that day just given the fact that right now Bo Nix is probably a pretty significant disappointment for most Auburn fans and he doesn't have a lot of weapons to throw to Mike Bobo at this stage of his career has become I would say a pretty conservative-minded offensive coordinator you know we may see a little bit of a throwback almost like the Pat Dye era for Auburn this year where you know I do think just on the basis of just the necessity I think they might be more content to lean on Bigsby this year than, than maybe most teams in the SEC are looking to do with their running game.
1: Right, and you can point to in recent seasons teams having success doing that. Texas A&M did it a year ago, Georgia the year before that. But I would point out that Texas A&M and Georgia had much better offensive lines than what I think Auburn is going to have this season. And so if you want to bet it all on Tank Bigsby, that's, that's good. But I think you can look back to even that 2017 Auburn team where they bet it all on Kerion Johnson, and he got them very far and then got injured in that Alabama game, and Auburn really fell apart after that. And so if you're betting it all on Tank Bigsby, you have to understand, hey, if Tank picks up an ankle injury or if he's a little hobbled here and there for a couple games, it's going to really put this Auburn team in a tough situation because they're not all that deep at running back either. You know, I think right now they only have two or three scholarship running backs on the team. So... you better feel comfortable giving the ball Tank Bigsby a, a Derrick Henry style amount this season if you're Auburn. And you know, kind of one more thing on this topic, we'll, we'll shift gears after this. I kind of look at the SEC coaches
0: kind of in clusters right now. You've mm. got the cluster of. Kind of relatively newish SEC West coaches, second year guys like Kiffin, Pittman, Leach. You know, you add Harson, the first year guy, in there, and the SEC East. You kind of got the Hypol, Beamer. If you want to count Clark Lee, I don't really, you know, care about him one way or another. Um, you kind of got those guys kind of, you know, cluster together a little bit, and. You know, somebody's going to take food off somebody else's table. Mm-hmm. You know, either Brian Harson's the winning coach. He proved himself to be at Boise State. And all of a sudden, he puts a lot of pressure on one of these second-year guys to to maybe, you know, put up or shut up pretty quickly there. Or, or the uh, you know, the opposite happens where someone like Lane Kiffin, who's kind of been here now for a year and kind of got his program a little bit more established. All of a sudden, he prevents a guy like Harson from getting footing. And the SEC East is going to be kind of much the same way. You know, you got guys like Heupel and Beamer trying to get going when Eli Drinkwit Gets a year head start on yep. those guys there at Missouri. And I think in those kind of. SEC East, you got a handful of these guys. SEC West, you got a handful of these guys. First and second year coaches all kind of fighting for the scraps off the table of the Bamas of the SEC West or the Georgias and the Floridas in the SEC East. And there just simply isn't going to be room for everybody. That to me is one of the most interesting storylines. If you want to go below who's going to win the league, the next interesting story is who of these relatively new coaches is still employed two years from now?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good storyline. I think for me, who becomes the second best team in the SEC West? Yeah. And, and, you know, Texas is probably the favorite to do so right now. I just have a lot of questions about a team that relied so heavily on that offensive line a year ago to lose four starters. Are you going to be able to replace that right away along with, you know, I, I've made no bones about it. I don't think Kelamon is a great quarterback, but he set a bunch of Texas A&M passing records, and Haynes King did not exactly set the world on fire in that spring game there. You know, can an LSU get things right? Can Ole Miss make a big jump with that offense and Matt Corral coming back? I, I think the SEC, while well, yes, it, it does maybe look to be Georgia-Alabama are neck and shoulders above everyone else. It's a real – a beautiful mess, so to speak, in that middle part of the conference right now.
0: Yeah, let me just say about A&M because people do give me grief because I have touted them a little bit. But if you look at their preseason win total right now, at least according to DraftKings at 9.5, they've got a lot more in common with a team like, say, Florida than they do with a team like, say, Georgia, which is kind of Mm -hmm. viewed more in the category of an Alabama. And I think if there was one simple reason why that's true is, is that other than at the running back spot, you know – you don't really have that dynamic playmaker at the receiver position right now. And I think any hesitancy, even on my part, someone who would like to, you know, potentially tout A&M Love to win to. The, yeah, the, the SEC West, even even on my part, there's a hesitancy to do that because in this league, you're just not going to do it unless you have that dynamic play at wide receiver. For a lot of Georgia fans who are saying, where's our big receiver play going to come from this year? You better believe if Georgia's asking that about itself right now, I would say the Texas A&M is yeah. asking that about its program even more, that could be the one thing that holds them back and makes them more of a, you know, Florida bowl game type team yeah. more so than a college football playoff type bowl team.
1: Yeah, and the big thing with Texas A and M is yeah, I think Georgia Georgia wanted to ride out that, hey, let's rely on our running game, allow our quarterback to make big plays on third down when we need them to, and sort of ride that to as far as they can. Georgia did that. It got them blown out by LSU in the 2019 SEC Championship game. And I think after that, Kirby Smart realized he had to change. And, and, you know, the quarterback situation sort of prevented that from really coming into full bloom this past season. But I think you've seen Georgia change the way it's gone about doing things since that LSU game. And I wonder – it, does that moment happen and come for texas a and m at some point soon?
0: So Kroger fresh Take with Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And, of course, Kroger celebrating the graduates in your life. Uh, what a great time of the year this is. I, I love seeing the photos of all the folks who have high school and college graduates. I love the celebration this time of year around all of that. And of course, Kroger's helping you do that. You can order your party platters from there. You can get your flowers, balloons, that perfect gift card, the greeting card, whatever to celebrate the graduate in your life. You can get that right there at Kroger. In fact, go to Kroger.com slash graduation and find out more about this. That's Kroger.com slash graduation. And you can find out more about that. So kind of a couple of interesting stories that you've written at dognation.com that I want to talk about here for a moment. It's really kind of of related to the depth that georgia has in terms of when you look at you know certain guys that at least technically speaking are backups in a day and age which you know players rotate so much i think the the, even the definition of backup has probably changed to a degree but i don't think anything speaks to the overall talent level of a place like georgia as much as the fact that you know even somewhat casual fans of UGA could rattle off a whole bunch of names of guys who are not technically starters but are big-time fan favorites expected to be big-time contributors and really that probably demonstrates the depth of Georgia right now as much as anything else just the sheer number of very talented backups the program has at the moment
1: yeah going through it yesterday and sort of checking names off the list the only two you could really say I don't know anything about these guys or what they might be able to bring were Keeley Ringo, who we just didn't see at all last year because of the shoulder injury, and then saw him a little bit in the spring game. I liked what I saw, but again, he's, got, he's still got, I think, a, not a ways, but a ways to go, so to speak, in terms of being, I think, what everyone thinks he can be. The other one was MJ Sherman, just because we literally haven't seen him at all following the off-season shoulder surgery that he had to repair a torn labrum. But you know, going through it, Kendall Milton's technically a backup. Uh, Jalen Carter is technically a backup. Mm-hmm. Darnell Washington is technically a backup. Like That's right. You have like those guys would be starters at ninety seven percent of schools across the country, and the fact that Georgia is able to rotate those guys in and bring them in off the bench, I think, is a huge benefit. You know, the the third piece that'll go in companion with this is like who are the most indispensable players the ones that Georgia can't afford to lose Mm -hmm. and unfortunately I think they've already lost one of the three big ones in George Pickens but other than Pickens I think it's obviously JT Daniels just because of quarterback you you saw a year ago when you do lose your theoretical starting quarterback it just really unwinds everything else you have and then Jordan Davis because he's a real one of one But but other than that I think they've got quality depth across this roster at just about every position
0: yeah I do think one of the things that Smart does well is and sometimes this is even to the detriment of fans who want to see players get bigger stats mm-hmm. but kirby has found a way over the course of his time to get a lot of players involved and we're in a day and age in which morale really matters we are to talk more mm-hmm. about some of the you know horror stories coming out of the transfer portal a little bit before we're done on today's program but whatever you can do to kind of give players a chance to be happy i think serves your program well over the long haul and so the fact that while you know darnell washington you know air quotes here is a backup for georgia even in that role, he's still going to play a lot. Jalen Carter, you know, as a freshman defensive lineman, Georgia finding all kinds of ways to get him involved. Third downs, they threw to him at one point in time this year. They, one of the cool things about Georgia is is that they find a way to get you involved. They're not looking to keep a lot of guys on the bench. They're not looking to redshirt a bunch of guys. They're looking to just find ways to get as many players in the field as they can. I think it helps, helps season the depth that you do have, but I think it also works to you know potentially keep players happy as well.
1: Right, and you know because of that, we know a little bit more about Nolan Smith. We know a little bit more about Adam Anderson, so to speak. Because we have seen them play in limited roles when they were younger, and now as they are more physically ready, more mentally capable, heading into their veteran seasons here at Georgia, you feel like you have a better idea of what you're going to get out of them. So it does work. The only time this sort of, I guess, strategy maybe backfires a little bit would be in a situation of Jermaine Johnson where you have a really good and talented player, but he says, I want more. I want to have a true starring role. And Georgia just isn't going to be that place, at least for a guy like Jermaine Johnson, because – again, they want to rotate guys. They don't want to wear you down. They want to have you fresh and ready to go at the end of the season and then obviously get going into the NFL. And so because of that, you know, you might not get the snaps that you want to see as was the case with Jermaine Johnson. But even I think you look at guys like, say, DeAndre Swift who easily could have dictated and carried the ball more often, but Georgia chose to be selective in how they used him and rotated backs in behind him. And I think ultimately in the long run, that ended up benefiting a guy like DeAndre Swift. So it's a, it's sort of a best of both worlds as long as you know you don't get too many of those guys who just say, I want to be true stars.
0: Along those same lines, Georgia. the freshman at uh, dog nation this week and this is a point that i agree with i've talked about this before myself over the years that as Georgia's roster gets better and deeper and the recruiting pipeline continues to flow in each individual year the expectation ought to be that freshmen contribute less and in future years than previous years you go back to 2017 when this roster was nowhere as deep as it is now you had to have Andrew Thomas start for you in 2017 you had to have big contributions from other freshmen there as well just to be as as deep as you wanted to be as good as you thought you could be as you get towards 2021 the hope is among Georgia fans that you need freshmen less however However, I've kind of thought about this a lot since your story first appeared at dognation.com. And here's the conclusion that I've kind of drawn, almost an addendum to my previous thoughts on this, that while maybe overall the median freshman performer for Georgia in any given recruiting class might contribute less, just given the fact the roster is deeper than it's been before, Boy, I'm not quite so sure your best freshman shouldn't be playing and contributing a little bit more. When you think about what a Derek Stingley has been for LSU in 2019, what a Patrick Sertan once was for Alabama. Alabama's had a, a few of these. that Your very best freshman may be better, but overall, your median freshman, yeah, on a deep roster he may be contributing a little less.
1: Right, and so one of the guys that I'd really focus on is, say, Amarius Mims, who's yeah. similar to Stingley, similar to Sertain. Those were top ten overall mm-hmm. prospects. And Mims, I believe, number seven overall player, top player in Georgia's signing class. Obviously, the history is not Not great when it comes to freshman tackles playing right away at an SEC level, but he is someone who I think over the course of the season you could see him develop and maybe get onto the field and start maybe eventually win that left tackle job. Given how much uncertainty there is there, so I, to the larger point, you know when narrowing it down, I think there's right now maybe four guys that we can expect to see. I don't even know how consistently, but expect to see make plays this season. I would say maybe an Island Green, depending yep. on how cornerback shakes out. And if Georgia goes out and brings in a certain cornerback that once played at Clemson, I think that goes out and disappears. Or at least by the, the way, those rumors sing. have not gone no, anywhere. Oh, if, by anything, the way. if anything, if right. anything, BA is this might be a new uh, BA speaking yeah. it into existence. Those with, rumors uh, have not, Mister Darian
0: Kendrick, dissipated. One, not not one bit. It doesn't. I, I think
1: Brock Bowers is another guy, just because he's sort of a one of one on this Georgia team right now, and that Georgia doesn't have another guy like him, and he can bring something a little different to. The this offense. I mean, Adonai Mitchell, I don't think you can ignore what he did on in the spring mm-hmm. game, even though obviously it is a spring game, but he showed a, yeah. a little bit of flashes there, and you know, given no George Pickens, he might be your starting X at some point during the season. And then Mims, and Mims isn't going to be a day one starter for Georgia, but I do think uh, you could certainly see him move into that role over the course of the season. But really, uh, and granted, it's a smaller class, and that's going to be, I think, something you expect from Georgia going forward now just because you're going to see them go out and try and grab two or three transfers every cycle. So, it is by having a smaller Class in you know a weirder year, I do think you're going to see a smaller number of like true stud freshmen playing for this Georgia team.
0: Very quickly, I want to follow up on something we talked about last week. We were talking about how there had been very little said about the new football facility for Georgia, and it almost got to be a little bit weird that they were saying so little about it. Since you and I spoke, they have talked a lot about you know more about this. There've been more videos revealed, and it certainly seems like that a lot of this was kind of now maybe they had a construction delay. Who knows? A lot of commercial projects do, but it's certainly seems like a lot of the video chatter around this has of late has been time to kind of set the stage for visits coming in in june and i just want to at least follow up on that to say that what we had not heard very much of by last tuesday we have certainly heard a lot more about since then
1: i don't want to say georgia and kirby smart and the staff listen to the show but boy <laughs> it's hard not to connect the dots here and say hey I'm, hold on if brandon adams is starting to ask questions about where things are and what right. we're hearing about this maybe give him a little taste you know a little behind-the-scenes magic. Let them show other people reacting to this brand-new $80 million facility, but don't give away the whole story yet. Give them a couple of nice little teaser trailers, and then we'll open it up, have a soft opening for these recruits, and then eventually we'll open it up for the whole world to see and let everyone know that this new facility that Georgia has is absolutely going to be a weapon in terms of attracting top talent, in terms of making players want to come and play at Georgia because it is one of, I expect to be one of the best facilities in the country.
0: And obviously everybody's looking for that reason to pick up the phone right now, get to recruit on the other side of the phone or text message or you know dm whatever it is mm-hmm. these days to have a legitimate reason to say hey we think you're going to love what you're going to see here because you've never seen this before for a lot of these guys they haven't seen anywhere before yep. they haven't been able to take visits but it is just an easy way to get that conversation started and we're obviously all really excited about what's going to happen here around the month of June and this is just kind of an easy way to kind of build momentum for that I would say
1: right and in, in a month where i think visits are going to be more telling and more important than they ever have been at any point in the recruiting cycle just because it's and I think give a good idea of where guys are leaning in terms of where they want to go, where they actually end up going. I think having that in your back pocket as a tool to, you know, maybe sway a prospect or two to say, "Hey, I know you're expecting to visit Alabama this week or Clemson this week, but we've got this brand new facility. We'd love you to come down and see it, show it off, show you all that Georgia has to offer." And you know, that's something very nice to have in your back pocket as you go out and try and compete with Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, and sign some of the best prospects in the country.
0: Kind of great stuff. Thanks for being here as part of a Kroger Fresh Take here today.
1: Yep, as always, was well, a pleasure, BA. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is
0: SEC through. Great stuff there from Connor Riley. Appreciate all of you being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgians. By the way, speaking of more great stuff, I am really proud of what my friends at SecondChance.law are doing right now. You know, the the law is just confusing, right? And sometimes I almost wonder if it's confusing on purpose. But, but e- either way... There is a new program that's out there that you need to make sure that you understand, because for so many of you, let's face it, we, you know, we kind of get in trouble every now and then, right? We, we make a decision we wish we could have done different. Goodness knows my life, I've got a lot of things I'd like to have back. And when it comes to the law right now and your criminal history, there's a way to kind of get a second chance on some of this kind of stuff, which hints at the name, second Law. You can actually get you know previous convictions kind of restricted off your record, which gives you a better chance at a better job. In some cases, it gives you a better opportunity for where you might be able to live. And... A way to navigate the confusing legal process and all of this if you go to secondchance.law that's the website secondchance.law if you go to the website you can answer kind of a free online quiz and you can determine your eligibility for this program and the good news is if you're not eligible well secondchance.law can help give you some guidance about how you might be able to become eligible i love secondchance.law because of the work they do i believe in second chances but also because uh one of the partners is a longtime listener to dog nation daily is a former red Coat band member we love the red coats around here and a two-time UGA graduate there as well, double dog as we like to call them. So please check out SecondChance.Law today and let a good guy, uh, good people from the University of Georgia, help you with a, you know, you know, tough situation that you might be able to uh, go through there. All right, SEC through time here. We talked about this yesterday. We actually talked about this few days, and pretty much the news ended up being exactly what we thought it would be, even though there was kind of a weird detour there for a while. TJ Finley has arrived at Auburn do i think that finley will beat out bo nix for the job this year assuming the sec opens the door for finley to be immediately eligible i guess i kind of don't but it certainly could happen i do i did think it was kind of telling that bo nix kind of gave you the hey welcome to the family type you know instagram message yesterday obviously that's the expectation here around you know stuff kind of like this and so clearly there's a competition that's about to go on between Finley and Nix. And the fact that Finley played, started five games a year ago for for LSU, it's a valuable asset for Auburn whether he beats out you know, Nix as the starter right now or not. And don't forget this, Finley was a freshman last year. Last year did not count against your eligibility. If, if, if Auburn likes what they have in T.J. Finley, he can be quarterback at Auburn for a long time to come. So I think this is decently big news uh, at, at the very least. This is more quarterback depth for Auburn right now than they've had before. And the potential exists here that that Finley ends up being a pretty good quarterback, you know, for Auburn eventually working with Mike Bobo, the Brian Harson system. So kind of interesting news coming out of the Auburn program. Uh, We're seeing a lot more of these intra-conference transfers right now. Finley the latest. He lands there on the Plains. I thought that Alex Scarborough had a very good story at ESPN.com. And there's no doubt that this is the biggest story in all of college football to me right now. And I thought Scarborough's angle on all this was very interesting. And on this show, we have predicted in no uncertain terms that this was going to happen. That the transfer portal, the way that it currently is being used, kind of a free-for-all, do-whatever-you-want, opens the door for unbelievable tampering in other words reaching out to someone else on a roster who's not in the transfer portal to see if you can convince him to go in the transfer portal now as much as i like the scarborough piece at espn.com i guess one of the nits i would pick with this is is this is kind of covered in the scarborough piece as oh this is like akin to cheating and you know by the letter of the law it kind of is but my issue with this is not the fact that that it's cheating because the fact matters. You look at some of the college basketball stuff, things like that. Obviously, this isn't. <laughs> this is far from the, the the first accusation of cheating that's happened around college sports. The issue more for me is the destabilizing effect this has on programs, that when you can't even trust that your own players are your players, that you've got some other coach, some other program trying to swoop in and steal a guy that has not said he's looking to transfer. They're trying to coerce him into transferring, saying heaven knows what to get him to do so. This is not about the cheating for me. It's about the destabilizing effect this is going to have on college football, and you ought to pay attention to this. There are people – who are going to try to use this as leverage to pull players away from rosters and it has the potential of hurting the entire sport. The other thing that I would take slight issue with Scarborough on, even though I thought his piece overall was excellent, is he kind of frames some of this kind of in the vein of player empowerment. He kind of compares the way that NBA super teams form with players also recruiting each other to come play together on these various teams. You know, this whole notion that the players are the ones who are in charge and all of this, I guess I'll quote briefly from Bane, the Batman movie. Does it feel like you're in charge? Does that feel like what's going on here? Because to me, the unspoken context in all of this, the subtext, I guess, if you will, of all of this is, is the transfer portal now is I think, becoming a problem for the players themselves. Because when you listen to the the, the coaches who are quoted in the, in the story from Alex Scarborough and, and, and everything along those lines, the kind of unspoken subtext to all this is, is that coaches are using the transfer portal to replace players on their own roster, to upgrade the talent they have on their own roster. So what you have now is – and it's not really at the Georgia level because we're talking about a different kind of level of talent all the way around but you have a lot of players and a lot of rosters who are left to wonder is my spot secure or is my coach looking around to see if he can find somebody a little older a little better a little more experienced you know a little whatever else that's the unspoken you know context and subtext around all of this right now I think we're getting to the point that if you want to be for the players if you want to be pro player I think you've got to be anti-transfer portal, at least in terms of the way that it's currently being used around the sport and the way that trend is continuing to move. As I said before, you don't have to take my word for this. You should do your own research. The Alex Scarborough story is free to read. It's at ESPN.com. It's worth your time. Read that and tell me yourself. Do you think this, as described by him and the coaches and and figures around the sport who spoke to Alex on the record for ESPN.com, is that scenario good for the sport Boy, I'm not quite so sure about that. Very quickly, let me also say this SEC baseball tournament beginning. You got game one going on right now. Florida and Kentucky, they are playing there in Hoover. Georgia later on tonight against LSU. Scott Strickland's treating this as a need to win to get in the NCAA tournament uh, type game. And some people say they may need more than one win. I did see where D1 Baseball, which is one of the big websites that covers college baseball, they do have Georgia in their most recent field. It's kind of like their own baseball version of bracketology three seed in the Charlotte region uh, there. So Strickland is ignoring that for the moment and treating the game tonight against LSU as a game they have to win. Freshman on the mound for the Dogs. We will see how that goes and have more coverage for you there at dognation.com as well. We'll make that your SEC through, and we will uh, wrap up today with uh, really good stuff. Gator Hater Roll Call. We love our audience hating on the Gators. It's always a fun thing to be able to do. In fact, we award you for doing so. It's our golden shoe that we give out each and every day Of course an homage to Marco Wilson and the throne shoe for the Florida Gators <laughs> Back this fall uh, Kind of a funny uh, winner here today Who sends us a picture of It's a trash truck on the highway And it's uh, that UGA guy It's at Nation 1994 on Twitter Who said my wife said That she'd never seen a dump truck On the interstate and, she's, and that UGA guy says I looked her straight in the eyes And said that's not a dump truck That's a Gators mode of transportation I like the idea of that Uh dog nation 94 on twitter says i thought i would appreciate that you better believe i do it gives you the gator hater hashtags good stuff you are our golden shoe winner for today and speaking of those lousy stinking gators how about a gator hater countdown 158 days we'll see you tomorrow at dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia and on the podcast it's our rs andrews podcast cool down but i do have to admit we're gonna bounce out of here today without taking comments show did go a little long today and Well, to be completely honest with you, we also have some things to do around here today there as well. So let me beg your pardon for not taking comments today, but send me some good ones. We'll read a bunch tomorrow, either on Twitter at DogNationDaily or in the comment section at DogNation.com. Love to have you weigh in on really anything you want to around the program, and we'll have a good time doing that. So see you tomorrow. Make sure you check out RS Andrews as well for your air conditioning, your heating, your plumbing, electric needs. Let's face it, this time of year, it's probably the AC that you're thinking about they can get your system tuned back up to factory fresh specs. Just find them online at rsandrews.com. Once again, sorry for no comments today, but we'll take some more tomorrow, and I'll look forward to seeing you then for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia.